diversity and inclusion can't just be an HR initiative. It's got to be built into the blood of a company. It's got to be something where every leader is on board with it. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Karine Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome to another episode of your Badass Journey podcast. I'm your host, Karine Walsh, and I'm so excited to share my guest with you today. I have Nina Baliga as my guest today, and she's the co-founder of Diversity, a startup focused on creating an equitable, diverse, and inclusion tech industry through a platform that is the glass door for inclusion. She's also the head of executive culture and inclusion at Jobber Group. As a child of immigrants, Nino has always been passionate about social justice and improving the lives of marginalized people. She began her career in a non-for-profit world working to empower underrepresented communities, then went to get her MBA before she decided to teach herself front-end web development and user experience design. With nearly 20 years of experience in nonprofit and for-profit organizations, she decided to dive into the startup world, combining her community, organizing businesses, leadership, and app development skills. In our conversation today, she shares her journey through managing an invisible disability, how she's partnered with others in order to create more training and conversations around inclusion and really help leaders stand and feel empowered to be more curious about how to be more inclusive. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I did and make sure you connect with us after the show. She shares her Twitter handle, nbaliga1 is the best way to connect with her. And of course, you can also meet with her on LinkedIn. I love your your reviews and I love all the questions coming in in order for us to serve you better here on this podcast. So please keep that up. And again, enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to today's conversation on your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Nina Baliga. Welcome, Nina. Hey, how are you, Kareen? I am great. How is the weather where you're at? You're in Colorado, correct? Yes, that's right. It's a it's sunny and beautiful day today. Looking forward to going out with the dogs and maybe going for a hike. I love it. We're finally cooling down a little bit here on the East Coast. And so it's really great to, to come together today and have this awesome chat. I wanted to share you with you with my listeners because your current focus in your work life is really about diversity and inclusion and creating more of an accepted way of allowing others with many talents start working together. And I feel it's so relevant of a topic for us to talk through. Before we dive into the work you're doing today, I would love for you to share your journey with our listeners of how you got to where you are now. 
Yeah, I think my journey is is pretty unconventional. I've always been the kind of person that is fascinated by learning new things. And I think, you know, in my 20-year career, uh, that's led me to a lot of different places. Um, but I've also been the kind of person that's very passionate about making social impact. And that's been one of the driving forces behind every decision I've made and, and all the career pivots I've made. So when I graduated college, I was really into seeing, you know, making the, like changing the world for the better. And so I focused on getting jobs at nonprofits. And so I spent 10 years in the nonprofit sector. I actually did a lot of different types of work. Um, I directed a political campaign. At one point, I uh, worked for a labor union, uh, organizing janitors that were working in these high-rise multimillion-dollar condos in South Florida, largely Cuban immigrants. Um, I did a get-out-the-vote campaign, largely with Haitian immigrants. I you know, did everything from communications to fundraising to lobbying, uh, to marketing. I did a little bit of everything with all those nonprofit jobs. I even um, I, I went and, and did community development work for a little bit as well, largely working, working with um, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders who were really underrepresented because um, they were breaking the model minority myth. And uh, so after about 10 years in the nonprofit sector, I got really burnt out. And I was approaching 30 years old and... I wasn't making enough money to be able to pay the bills. And so I decided that I needed to make a career change. So I was always fascinated with how technology can kind of transform people and transform communities and the power of change that technology has and just seeing the growing impact it was having over time. And so I decided to teach myself front-end web development and user experience design and so the way I was able to do that was I actually pivoted from the nonprofit space into marketing and got myself a digital marketing job where I was helping nonprofits as part of the digital marketing job uh, build websites. And I just found out that I loved building websites and building apps. And so as an account manager, project manager, I didn't get to do the technical work, but being able to work with developers and designers, I was like, that's what I want to be doing, especially when it came to user-centered design. Because I love the idea of like listening to people, hearing what were the pain points and like coming up with technical solutions that would solve those pain points. So I taught myself front-end development, user experience design, and then I launched my uh, own freelance business doing that. So I spent 10 years in the kind of tech sector. And you know I've lived all across the country. I've lived in the Deep South. I've lived in uh, Miami Beach. I've lived, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I lived in DC for 10 years. About three years ago, I got really burned out on the East Coast, and I wanted to live in a place where, you know, people weren't all about, you know, using each other to get ahead. And Colorado seemed to be much more of that laid-back culture. But more importantly, I just wanted to be in the mountains. I wanted to be in a place where I could go outdoors and, you know, be free to just experience kind of a quiet, a more quiet world. And I moved to Colorado with that in mind. Um, but it wasn't too long before I started feeling pretty isolated, ironically, uh, because I was, you know, continuing to build out my freelance career. And I was going to all these tech meetups. And all the tech meetups in Colorado were just just rooms full of white guys. And I was just getting so frustrated because I, I'm not a shy person. I'm more than willing to speak up when I see things that are being dismissed or things that, you know, people are missing. And so, 
you know, I would usually be the only woman of color in the room, maybe one of a handful of women. And I would say, hey, have you thought about looking at this problem this way? Or have you considered that you might be missing out in this way? And I would usually be met by blank stares and then they would just move on. And after enough of that, I was just getting really frustrated because I was like, where are the women, where are the women of color in Colorado that are in the tech scene here? So I kind of went on a mission to go find them. (laughs) And uh, I ended up hearing about a team of women uh, who were getting together for this hackathon that was sponsored by the Secretary of State here called Go Code Colorado. And they had five competitions uh, in different cities across Colorado over the course of a weekend. And I joined this team of women. Um, We didn't know each other at all. It's kind of like each person knew one other person on the team type thing. And so there's 10 of us in total. And over the course of the weekend, we built an app that would help hiring managers find tech talent from underrepresented groups in Colorado's colleges and universities. And we built it and we pitched it and we ended up becoming one of the two, uh, 10 teams to move on to the finals. We really had no intention of winning. All of us were there to just meet new people and just, you know, build something fun for a weekend. But all of a sudden we were at a place where I was, I was pitching in front of the Denver Performing Arts Center for the finals with a chance to win $25,000 to build a startup. And While none of us were really interested in building a startup, um, at the end of the pitch, I got off the stage and this was in front of like 300 of like Colorado's top technologists. And a lot of them came up to me and were like, love what you're doing. Like this is this problem that you're trying to tackle. The lack of diversity in tech really needs to be addressed and, you know, stay in touch. Like, here's my card. Like, let, let me see where this goes. So me and one other woman on the team, Kim Schlesinger, and I decided, well, why don't we take a stab at this and maybe build a startup? So she and I co-founded Diversity, and our goal was really to bring equity into tech. And the question we really had was, how are we going to go about doing that? And so we wanted to define diversity much more broadly than race and gender, because that's typically how diversity is defined. And we just thought that that wasn't good enough. So we defined diversity beyond that. We wanted to include people with visible and invisible disabilities. We wanted to include the, uh, include the LGBTQ community. We wanted to include body diversity, people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, we really thought deeply about what does diversity mean. And we started, you know, the user researcher in me was like, okay, well, in order to create a, a company that's meaningful, Let's figure out what's the pain point we want to solve. So we went and found developers, engineers, coders, designers from tech companies who represented these different groups that we were defining under how we define diversity. And what we heard from them was that they were struggling to find companies where they felt like they would be valued and seen and heard. And we talked to tech companies too. We were talking to CEOs, CTOs. We were trying to find out what their pain points were. And what we were hearing from them was that they were struggling to find and retain tech talent from these underrepresented groups. So we landed on this idea, you know, Kim and I spent six months doing this research and we landed on this idea of creating the glass door for inclusion. So it's a platform where tech talent can, from underrepresented groups can share what their unique experiences are like and companies can create profiles to highlight what they're doing to build inclusive cultures. And so we launched this platform. It took us about a year plus to get the platform up and running, but we launched it earlier this year. 
And, you know, it's been a really amazing experience um, doing that. But about, you know, after we launched the platform, I was kind of in this place where I was like, all right, I've learned a lot in these two years of building this startup. And I've talked to so many people about understanding the problem. And I had to be really reflective of like, well, what is my, what is my North Star? What is, what is the change that I want to make? And I came to this conclusion that I just want to live in a world where everyone can go to work and feel seen, valued, and heard. And my question was, how can I continue to make that impact? And I knew that diversity as my startup was going to be part of that solution. But the common theme I heard from working with all these companies over the last couple of years was that diversity and inclusion can't just be an HR initiative. It's got to be built into the blood of a company. It's got to be something where every leader is on board with it and saying, this is how we run marketing. This is how we run operations. This is how we run finance. This is how we run product. And DA, diversity, equity, and inclusion has to be part of that. And um, one of the, the best ways to make that happen is to have your C-level leadership team completely bought into that. And so... I was approached by Jobber Group several months ago to see how we could potentially work together. And I decided to join their team as the head of executive culture and inclusion to help find people from underrepresented groups who not just, you know, come from diverse backgrounds, but really already value and understand the value of building inclusive cultures and get them into these C-level positions. And this has just been a really exciting experience so far because I feel like this is filling part of that gap of like, how do we build a world where people feel seen, valued, and heard? And part of it is getting the right people into the leadership positions. And then the other part that I kind of realized, and again, it's like sometimes opportunities just kind of fall into your lap and you never think you're going to be doing that. I never really thought of myself as someone who would go into training or education, but you know, one of the things I kept on seeing in the world was that how we communicate with each other often breaks down due to our biases, both positive and negative. And so I teamed up with Joe Thurman and UB Seminary to build a curriculum called Breaking the Bias, which really tackles bias from the perspective of a neuroscience and really understanding how our brains are built to uh, create in-groups and out-groups. And the goal of our trainings is really to go about and figure out how can we increase our in-groups? How can we actually take the power of understanding how our brains work to build more inclusive environments and to improve our communications with one another? So, you know, that's kind of where my journey has taken me. It's, it's funny because, you know, at no point did I ever say that I'm going to be jumping to different types of jobs and careers. And, at no point did I think like I would be doing kind of three different gigs at the same time. But, you know, in this world that we live in today, I think it's really important that things don't have to be this or that. You can live a life where you could, where the, the in between words and. Right. And I think that's just really important for people to know. And once I open myself to the possibility that it doesn't have to be this job or that job that you can do both, then the opportunity started opening up. I think it's beautiful. I mean, such great work that you've done, but also it 
your journey is really cool because you you navigated a calling of sorts. Like when when something made you uncomfortable or just wanting more more reflection of yourself in the room in the spaces that you were going into, or just more of a diverse thinking as opposed to one dimensional that felt like you were the only one potentially speaking in a different way or sharing a different perspective. And then you did something about it, you know, which is really awesome because a lot of people have the thoughts, but don't necessarily know the right path for them to navigate it. And I love that you also are doing multiple roles in today, because I think when you are a dynamic person, and you have multiple skills, multiple methods, levels of communication, the dynamic way of showing up in a room, it warrants a dynamic career, right? Like if if you didn't have that, then you wouldn't find alignment within yourself on how you show up every day. And to have that common theme of inclusion, one of the questions that I wrote down is, as you were sharing your journey is, you know, how can we on a daily basis or just in our lives that, that how-to, and I love that you're putting a training program together because I think it's really a skills development scenario first in order to then take action with ease. So what are the things you could share with our listeners when it comes to diversity, inclusion, being aware of some of the decisions of how to actually allow more dynamic thinking, more inclusive methods into whether their workspace or their community, you know, what are the things you would recommend or, or thought about for people to try? Yeah. So, you know, for, for us, when we were building the curriculum, it all started with this idea called the code of curiosity. Because if you're not opening up your mind to just listening to how different people think and just being curious about the world and curious about people then trying to just jump into like subconscious bias training or jump into how do we change our communication is just not going to work. Like we have to start off by being curious about other people, about being curious towards ourselves. And we believe that by jumping in to this entire conversation with this code of curiosity, that can actually lead you to this place of empathy. You know, empathy is such a buzzword we've been hearing so much about in like, you know, the last five years or so. And, you know, the, the idea is that we want people to be empathic. Everyone, I'm sure to a certain extent, likes to think of themselves as an empathic. But it is like, to a certain extent, a certain skill that you have to acquire too. And starting off with curiosity, that can start building that the tool set you need to start becoming empathetic, like truly empathetic. And then once you're able to have that empathy then you can like dive into communication and start thinking about how you're communicating. You know, how are you using both verbal and nonverbal communication to get your ideas across? Um, and it's it's a really interesting kind of breakdown the way we've done it because I think that too often a lot of subconscious bias trainings and bias trainings tend to start by focusing on the things that make us different and then validating our differences. So it's almost like a validation of racism in a way and uh, or a validation of ableism or a validation of sexism. And, you know, what I want to accomplish is that I don't want to validate those behaviors because there are systemic institutions that are leading to this. But as individuals, you know, how can we start by changing our behaviors? And I think there are systemic solutions to this too. 
But I think that with this training that we're providing, we're starting off in a very individual level. Um, and that yeah. just starts with curiosity. I think you have to start at the individual level because until it became a belief of yours that this was something you wanted to to share and show and create, you know, like you don't know how to then act in it if you're not understanding it for yourself first. You know, I'm someone also of, of immigrant parents. I'm first generation American and I I was taught to blend in for a lot of my upbringing. And so that made me definitely initiate a smaller exposure of a world. I was fortunate that I had other um, friends that were from different backgrounds as well uh, growing up that I could have exposure to their cultures and how we all kind of got along in the culture we were in and the society we were part of. But there are certain conformed behaviors we all have as children, no matter what culture we're brought into or even whatever disability we might have. And now even with the whole autoimmune thing going on, like there's so many health crisis issues that are making us not show up in the world the way we would hope to, uh, that we need a dialogue around that. And we need to figure out the curiosity of understanding what's going on with that other person. But I don't think people will create the room unless they work on themselves first. I mean, it's something as a coach I work on all the time, especially working with C-suite leaders. A lot of the time um, when they lead with assumption, and I always say this, it's like you, you can't lead with assumption. You just have to ask. If you just, yeah. put, if you just pose certain questions to understand more, to feel clearer in the actual dynamic that's occurring, then you can create more of an inclusive moment, like smaller moments of inclusion. And that just means the listening skills. It means the I'm willing to hear you out and understand, right? Like it can be so practical and easy. It's just um, first, it takes that willingness to be curious. I love that that's the approach. And I do think it's really important to start on the individual level because we all walk in the stories we tell ourselves in our head. And then we act based on those stories. So if we, can change the, if we can change the story we're telling ourselves, right, then what a difference that would make with the, the actions we take. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, bias is built into our blood. Like that is just how we evolved and both positive and negative. And I think that's really important that like people shouldn't feel guilty about having bias, but they should be aware of it and then use that you know, for good and use that to be able to build stronger relationships. And I think that's just the the key component to all of this, right? Is like, how do you build strong relationships? How do you break down barriers to communication? How do you start treating people like people? And I think sometimes we get lost sight of that. Yeah. And I think we're also so inundated in this day and age of um, comparing ourselves too that the world, the way we see it becomes smaller and smaller of what is digitally shown to us versus the interaction that you can have in a group setting, you know, in a company, going on a trip together, whatever that looks like. And so I really love that this is the space you're in because I know the impact you're making, but I would love to hear from you too, or like, what are some of the the badass moments you've had or or kind of the big wins from the business that you have been running when it comes to inclusion that you've you've seen the actual impact and the ripple effect of it 
Yeah. I mean, it's such a hard question to answer. I think part of it, because I think you really hit on something when you talk about, you compare yourself to, you know, in this digital world, you compare yourself to other people all the time. And I am definitely a person filled with self-doubt. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I start by telling my journey and I'm like, uh, you know, look at this journey that I've had that's all over the place. And it probably, it probably sounds badass. But it's really, it's one of those things I struggle with. I really struggle to recognize wins and to recognize that I could be like, you know, the reason for those wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, that's and, a training. That's a training that, uh, that we need to break down. And, and I can help you with that offline. <laughs> one of the things that, yeah, absolutely. Like one of the things that, like, I've, that's something I've always struggled with. And I started getting this habit because my co-founder suggested that we do this. So every week that we met, we would go over our wins and losses for the week. Yeah, It was always so easy for me to list out the losses. Like we didn't get this accomplished. We didn't do this. You know, this thing failed, but it was so hard for me to come up with the list of wins because my brain just wasn't working that way. And so like, if I think about the big wins from this, you know, last two years of, you know, this journey of building a startup in particular, I'd say one of the wins was like the simple act of coming from a place where it was just me and one other woman with an idea and launching it into a full-fledged business with a platform, like, you know, an actual app that people can go onto now and, and use. That was just a really impressive feat. I mean, and it took a lot of work to get there. I think Whenever you build a startup, you you tend to underestimate what it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you you get into it, and then you know you just have to push through all the challenges. You know, like staff turnover, or you know, coding breaking, code breaking, not the way you expected to, or you know, going outside of budget, and you're like, okay, how are we going to be scrappy enough to like cover <laughs> the cost for this? And you know, it's all of that stuff. And being able to overcome all of that and to like build a business that, you know, is is here and the platform's up. And, you know, that's that's a big success. And honestly, I think the other big success is just the relationships I've been able to build over the last couple of years after just completely immersing myself in this space. I I often think that we tend to downplay our relationships and the power of our relationships with one another. And because it's not like you can't measure that, like, you know, Y Combinator, I took their startup school class and they're like, you measure success by picking a metric and growing at 10% week over week. I, I just disagree with that. Like I looked at that and I'm like, that's not, that's not how I'm going to measure success. No. That's why I'm not pursuing VC money either. Yeah, I know. It can shut you down. I literally just posted a podcast talking directly to the audience about how measurement is a trigger for whether or not you feel empowered or not. Like it yeah. literally, because literally we're conformed and when it, it is something where you're struggling on even finding the win, it's because we were always taught that we had to go to that next level. Like whatever we, we did actually perform, there's something next. There's something next. Like that's never enough. There's something next. Like whether it's comparison of grades and the bell curve of you know education that we all have gone through, or it's something that um, even performance reviews are dated in work yep. environments too. It's horrible because it's 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 all about here's this arbitrary measurement 
And now like, no, I'm just going to perform at my best and you better see it. You know, like it's that kind of empowered moment. So I totally get it in, in that regard too, how it's difficult, but what killer, you know, badass moments you've had, like to be two female entrepreneurs to like launch a business based off something you kind of tripped into <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you came up with your, your right. app idea, right? Like, and then you're like, Hey, this is cool. And actually is something I believe in making a difference on let's follow through on it. Like that's high integrity um, yeah. on your work and you're actually walking the talk, you know? So I, I think it's, it's really awesome. And a lot of people, when they come on to my show, don't realize they're a badass until they come on to the show. So you're not alone. when you say i'm still like not convinced i'm a badass i'm just like to me it's because you know i i have i have depression and anxiety i'm a neurodivergent person Mm. Um, i experienced a seizure my first seizure about four years ago and Mm. that was a life-changing event for me and uh it's a story that i don't tell a lot well I, i didn't tell a lot until pretty recently because i always felt like i would get discriminated for it or you know, be thought of as less than for it or, or lazy or all those things. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, it's still something I I'm, I'm working through all the time. And, you know, part of depression is that, uh, it always makes you feel full of self-doubt. Part of it is that you, you never feel like you can be, you know, a valuable person to the world, even, um, to your family, to yourself. And, um, you know, during those times in between depressive episodes, when I have a moment to reflect and kind of see what's happening, then it's those moments where you just kind of have to take that and embrace it and be like, okay, yeah, there is some pretty cool stuff I've had to overcome. Like, I, I'm happy to go into my seizure a little bit more. I don't know if that's a badass story or not. But- of course. I mean, you know, honestly, it's your journey and that's what's badass about it. And I love that you're actually sharing it because we could obviously have listeners that are or have this in their life that they're going through. So however much you want to share, we're open to listening. Yeah. Okay. So uh, basically I was diagnosed with uh, depression when I was a teenager. So I uh, started getting treatment for it um, in my early twenties. It is one of those things where even as you get treatment for it, it's, it's an ongoing struggle, right? Like there's never, there's not like a cure for this where it's like, okay, now your depression has been cured and you can move on with your life. But it really is just an ongoing, like, how do you control it? How do you maintain it? How do you, you know, kind of keep it in a place where it doesn't completely debilitate you? And that's something that I've, I've always had to deal with. And I always kept that really close to my chest because I always feared being discriminated against because of it. And I did have, like, employers, like, say some terrible things to me. Um, I had one employer in particular who said to me, you need to be less like Nina and more like Eric. And oh. Eric was the guy that would work 18 hour a day, seven days a week. And, you know, just do him like, they loved, they loved that he worked 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I wouldn't even say that he was like that much more effective at what he did. Like he was definitely right. really effective, but I think there were other people who were probably just as effective doing eight hours a day, five days a week. Right. But like, you know, the fact that like I would, if I had too much stress in my life, I would burn out. And then like, I just wouldn't be able to show up Um, was one of those things where I just thought I was like, well, I'm lazy. And how am I ever going to, you know, thrive in this, in this world? You know, I had to figure out a change in my lifestyle. I had to change. Like that was part of the reason I had to pivot out of nonprofits. And part of the reason why I got into freelance is because the nonprofit sector was all about burnout and it was all about overworking you without really thinking 
strategically about how can you best use your time to make the most impact. And and being a freelancer meant I could kind of pick and choose the types of jobs and the types of hours I could work. But part of the also reason I got into freelance was because in 2015 I had my first seizure, and um, it was it was a grand mal seizure, and it was it was incredibly debilitating. Um, my my brain hit the reset button, and for about a year, I really struggled to just focus. My I was literally in a fog for about a year. My brain. Uh, function and in, in, in any kind of high capacity. And so that was really hard because it was one of those things where it was like, one, with a lot of like brain issues, there's not a lot of understanding of like why it's happening or how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And the science just isn't there yet. Yeah. There's a lot and, of like biohacking, like there are attempts, but there hasn't been a yeah. lot of, yeah, full-fledged so, work. The diagnosis was essentially like you have a Oh, what was it called? It was something like dysfunctional brain or something like that. It was like this like mm. generic term mm. that was like, this means nothing. <laughs> right. You can't identify with that one. And right. it also probably didn't truly define you either. You know, like right. some of those diagnoses put us in a tailspin and it doesn't really represent what's going on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so it was one of those things where it's like, I had to figure out a new life, honestly. It's like, how do I, how do I overcome this? How do I know that I will never be able to hold a nine to five job again, most likely, because my brain just can't do that. Like at that time, like I needed to take multi-hour naps in the middle of the day, every day. Sure, of course. Stay awake. Yeah. And, you know, like no job would be okay with, with that kind of lifestyle. And so that's when, you know, thinking through alternatives of like what could work and, and, you know, having two parents who've had full-time careers their entire lives, like in, in the same companies for, you know, yeah. decades. seeing the entire world around you being, you know, you should have a nine to five job and health insurance. And that's, that's how you define success. And then me having to break out of that and say, well, how do I find just define success now? Because that's not going to be for right. me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to design and it. And that was like a multi-year journey. That wasn't like I, I I snapped out one day and was like, and here's here's how I figured it out. Like <laughs> right. I'm still figuring it out. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're in it. I love. I I think that's really important for to to recognize for yourself. You know, it's a journey for all of us. But I yeah. I appreciate you sharing the darker times because if it felt foggy to me, I represent that in my mind as darker. Like mm-hmm. it. So please don't. Hopefully that doesn't sound offensive. That's, yeah. that's a pretty accurate it's, description. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had my own, um, I haven't had anything clinically, you know, diagnosed, but I've definitely had my bouts with depression too. And, and, and through self-care and methods, I've been able to shorten the times when it happens to me. Like it's not, a, I don't have, I don't, um, at this point, a chemical diagnosis, but I know it's related to my gut health for sure for me. Um, Because when I do have, I've had a lot of digestive issues that would then make me drop like emotionally and want to go into the dark space and want to sleep. And, and so I know it's not exactly what you've gone through, but it's, it, it is something I can completely understand. And it also is actually why myself, I, I chose to run my own business too, because I needed the flexibility of when I needed to turn it off mm-hmm. to heal that I could do that. And, yeah. and I love that you're on this path of 
finding the right fit for you at your best health, you know, while navigating, you know, how to take care of yourself in these high octane moments that you've created through this business that you have and your full-time executive role and all the other things you're going to have impact on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important for folks to just kind of take a moment to self-reflect and figure out like what works for you. How how does your body work best? How does your mind work best? And how can you find opportunities that fit you so you can be at your best? Because I think with any work environment, whether it's full-time, part-time, you know, gig economy, whatever, we have to everyone wants to be around people who, you know, feel like they are contributing. People want to feel like they're yeah. contributing and you yeah. want to be around people who feel happy about what they're doing. Yeah. I think the only way we can get, or not the only way, but one of the ways we can get to that place is by just taking a moment to be introspective and say, well, what is it going to take for me to be happy? Let's try and remove a little bit of the the social barriers or the kind of the, the stigmas associated with going one path or another, you know, I, I recognize like I come from a place of privilege where I, I, I get that opportunity to uh, try out some more things and some, some others might not. But if you do have privilege in whatever way it manifests itself, then it's worth taking a moment to figure out how can you find like your, your best self. And then once you take that moment of introspection, then you can start applying that. Yeah. Um, because I think oftentimes we just focus on what's, how do we get that next job? How do I get this next thing? As opposed to what is it that's going to make me happy? Yeah. Um, and then what's the path to make that happiness come, come through? Yeah. I like to focus on fulfillment as a, as a measure um, versus happiness, because I feel like it sometimes, even in my dark moments, I'm still fulfilling myself by taking the time to check out, you know, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy about it. Like the emotional, and I'm only just using semantics because I think some people sometimes get an addiction or feel like they're not enough because they're not happy enough. Like it's, it's a comparison thing versus what fills you up. It's what I share with my listeners all the time. It's like, look at your fulfillment factor for doing that activity or making that choice. Like how fulfilled is it going to make you feel? Because only you can measure fulfillment. And 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 no one else can compare that, you know, to you or or judge you for it. It's your level of fulfillment. And, um, And I think that's really important from an inclusive standpoint too, to ask the question across the table. Like what fills you up? How do you like to celebrate? You know, like when, you know, what are the things that actually trigger you and put in and make you like, you know, get obsessively upset, you know, <laughs> like what are, yeah. you know, and just understand who's sitting across from you and their modalities of thriving and their modalities of recharging. And like, if you know that and you actually can share that about yourself too with the other person, what a deeper connection you're making. And then as a unit, you can function on a much higher level knowing that. You know, like if you and I, you know, were working together and I knew this and I now that I know this about you, and if we were in a working space together and you'd be like, Kareem, I need my time out, I would totally understand it because you shared it with me. Yeah. I'd be like, awesome. How can I support you during your time out? You know, like how can I, whatever it is, like how can I help you feel more fulfilled as you're taking this time out for yourself? Like there's, there's that part of the communication training, I think that comes with 
people of all different backgrounds, we're all dealing with something. All of us have something, regardless of how we look, right? Like that's that's the surface-based something that people have the biases against. But then there's the health-based something that is underneath the surface that we start to learn too, that I think is important to dialogue on as well. Um, and, and I really appreciate you sharing this part of your journey because I know there are people listening that are going through it too. And they, and they need to know that you can be, I always say functional in your dysfunction. (laughs) That's that's kind of the thing that like I I often in all this stuff that I was alone and it wasn't until I started connecting with other people and finding out I wasn't alone and hearing stories of other people and I wasn't alone. And I just, I hope that all the listeners who are going through anything like it, just know that they're not alone. And yeah. so I think that's really important. That's beautiful. And it's true. And I, I always like to tell folks, like I'm walking alongside you, like, you know, and, and now you're about to launch your podcast also, where it's like, all of a sudden you'll get, you'll get people messaging you and be like, I feel like I talk to you all the time because they're, <laughs> they're literally walking and listening to dialogue with other people. And you're like, but, <laughs> but I still need you to call me. I always tell them because like, I have, I haven't talked to you. Like I haven't heard your voice. <laughs> great conversation and I want to make sure that we share with our listeners too like what is your current focus and how if for any reason our listeners want to connect with you how's the best way to connect or leverage the diversity app and you know and continue the conversation with you going forward yeah um so I think um the best way to connect with me is through twitter actually my handle is at nbeliga1 it's a really lame Twitter name because I created it in 2007 <laughs> before I actually knew how anyone was going to be using Twitter, let alone myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you can uh, change it though, right? And you still yeah. keep everything. But, but I, I love it. I think it's, <laughs> it's old school and it's great. <laughs> I think it's like, that should be on my to-do list. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to uh, share what your unique experience is like uh, working at a company, if you work in tech, uh, you can go to higherdiversity.us. Or if you work at a company and you want to share what kinds of inclusive practices you're building, uh, you can also go to the website and, and create a profile. But we are also launching um, the Choose Inclusion podcast, where we're me and Mike Hess from the Blind Institute of Technology and UB Seminary from Jobber Group. Three of us get together and we talk about how companies can build uh, more inclusive environments by choosing to build inclusion into how they run their business. And then finally, uh, I am part of this uh, company that's building a curriculum to literally break the bias. So if you go to breakingthebias.com, uh, you can actually find out about some of the trainings we provide around this code of curiosity and how to build empathy and communication into your companies as well. I love it. And, and I think it's going to be so great. Like the continued ripple effect of the work you're doing, but because I know anybody who has an exchange with you walks away with so much value, you know? So thank you so much for for being on the show. And I like to close it out with one final question, which is how do you define what a badass is? I think a badass for me is just someone who knows themselves really well and exudes that to the world. So it starts off with knowing who you are, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, 
and being vulnerable to the outside. I think that's what makes a badass. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And listeners, as you have your aha moments, takeaways, comments, etc., you know I love your reviews. And feel free to connect with Dina and I after this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Definitely. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.